Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right, here we go. Let me ask you a question as we get started this morning. Um, is there any, when I ask you, what is your most memorable event of your life? What comes to your mind first thing? Is it a birthday? A wedding? I remember our wedding day, May 30th. Yes, May 30th, 2009. I was there. I was present. It was wonderful. One of the best days ever. Maybe it was the birth of a son or a daughter. I remember when TJ was born, October 1st, 2014. I was woken up in the morning at 3 o'clock a.m. with these words, Michael, it's time to go to the hospital. And I thought, oh. So we got to the hospital. The nurse said, we're going to have a baby pretty soon. I said, Callie, why didn't you wake me up at like 2 o'clock when we had some time to like get woke up and we could stop and get something to eat or something on the way and we didn't have to rush. And she said, Michael, there was no time. Um, maybe for you. It was April the 3rd, 2017. Does anybody remember April 3rd, 2017? That was the last time the Tar Heels won the national championship in basketball. That was also the first night TJ ever slept all night. <laughs> that was a good night all the way around. We love that night. Good. I do too. Um, either way, when we have memorable moments in our life, maybe uh, for you it's your wedding, um, it's the you started your dream job, whatever it is, when we have these memorable moments, we tend to celebrate them, right? We celebrate our birthdays every year because of the memorable moment of the birth of our son or daughter. Uh, we celebrate our wedding anniversary every year because of the memory, memorable moments. Whatever it is, when we have these moments, we tend to celebrate them every year. Today is Palm Sunday, and we read about Palm Sunday in all four of the Gospels. And what Palm Sunday is in the Gospels is the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So what the Gospels say is simply this. Jesus told his disciples, said, I want you boys to go into town. When you get into town, you're going to see a donkey. The donkey's never been ridden before. I want you to bring that donkey to me. If anybody asks you, what are you doing, say, the Lord needs this donkey. They got the donkey, they brought it to Jesus, and Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem. People were shouting, Hosanna. They were saying glory to God in the highest. They were throwing their coats on the ground. They were throwing palm branches on the ground. And that is how we get Palm Sunday. It begins the week, the Easter week. It begins the Passion Week. And we see that Jesus makes this last trip into Jerusalem before his arrest and trial and crucifixion and ultimately before his 
his resurrection. What we want to do this morning is take a few minutes and talk about what Jesus was doing in Jerusalem and what Jesus was doing in Jerusalem that day and what the thousands and thousands and thousands of other Jewish people were doing in Jerusalem that day is they were celebrating a, a, uh, a day called Passover. They were having a Passover feast, a Passover festival. They were celebrating the Passover. What we want to do is we want to look at a couple of things. Woo. We want to look at a couple of things that uh, we see cor- the correlation between the Passover in the Old Testament and then Easter season, the re- life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament. Just in case you don't know what the Passover is, I'm going to give you the MJV version. Remember I gave you the MJV version last week of the life of Joseph, the Michael Jernigan version? Um, so today I'm going to give you the MJV version the MJV of the Passover. Here's what the Passover is. If you recall last week, we ended last week in the book of Genesis with Joseph uh, being in Egypt and working for Pharaoh and being in control of all of Egypt because they had getting ready to have a famine. Joseph was able to store up a lot of food in Egypt so that when the seven years of famine came, Egypt had food. Joseph's family, his dad, Jacob, and all of his brothers came to him. They needed food because they were hungry. Joseph was able to, uh, to provide for his family, to provide for Jacob and all of their brothers. Pharaoh told Jacob, or told Joseph, said, you, can, you and your family stay here with me. Stay here with me in Egypt. So all their family, their cattle, their sheep, everything they had, everybody moved to Egypt. While they were there in Egypt, their number spread and grew and grew and grew. The number of Israelites got bigger and bigger and bigger, all because Joseph was able to follow God, like what we talked about last week, and God blessed him. And because of Joseph, the Israelites and the Hebrew nation grew larger and larger and larger. Then you get to the book of Exodus, and you read in Exodus chapter 1, it says the number of Hebrews grew exponentially, so much so that there was a new Pharaoh that came into power, and Joseph didn't mean anything to him. He didn't know Joseph. He didn't like Joseph. He didn't care about Joseph. All he knew was these Hebrews are getting a lot of people. There's a lot of Israelites here. There's a lot of people going on, and if something were to happen, they could turn against us, fight with our enemies, and they could overtake Egypt, and Egypt could go down all because of the Hebrew nation and the Israelites grew in numbers larger and larger and larger. So his plan was this. We're going to make them jokers our slaves. We're going to be over them. So he put slave masters in charge of different groups and different Israelites, and uh, all of them became slaves. While they were slaves, oh, one more thing. This new Pharaoh, he was so worried about these Israelites and these Hebrew people. He had midwives. He called all the midwives in and said, listen, here's what I want you to do. When these Israelites have babies, if they have a baby boy, I want you to kill him. If they have a baby girl, let her live. The midwives are like, I don't know about that. They feared the Lord. They didn't do what Pharaoh asked them to do. So Pharaoh made a law. Said, okay, you all don't want to play ball my way. I'll play ball the way I want to because I'm Pharaoh and I'm in charge of this whole show. Here's what we're going to do. From now on, if you have a baby boy, you are to throw him in the Nile River. If you have a baby girl, she can live. Boys, we would have been tossed in the Nile River. Can any of you fellas not swim? Pew, you'd have been in trouble. You'd have been in big trouble. 
So after Pharaoh made this declaration that all newborn males be tossed into the Nile River, there was one newborn male uh, born named Moses. You all know the story of Moses. It is one of the best stories in the whole Old Testament. Uh, Moses was born. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. He grew up with Pharaoh's education. He grew up with Pharaoh's food. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. Once they found out he was an Israelite, once they found out he was a Hebrew, they ran him out of town. You know the story. He was in the wilderness. He saw the burning bush. God spoke to him at the burning bush. God said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt so they can come into the wilderness and worship me. Moses and his brother Aaron went back to Pharaoh and said, listen, Pharaoh, God wants you to let our people go so we can go into the wilderness and worship him. And Pharaoh said, what? We got labor out of you people. You people making bricks for us. We ain't letting you go nowhere. So what did God do? God sent 10 plagues on Egypt to tell Pharaoh, listen, I'm in charge here. First, he sent the plague and had the Nile River turned into blood. Second, he sent a plague of frogs. Can I just be honest with you? I don't like frogs. I'm not scared of them. I just don't like them. Kurt, Kurt made a good point earlier. If it don't have fur, I don't want to touch it. Like, I don't want to touch a frog. Like, ugh. He's, God sent the plague of frogs. Then he sent the plague of gnats and flies. Sent the plague to the uh, livestock, and all the livestock died. Sent the plague of boils on their skin. Then he sent a plague of hail. Did it, anybody see any hail yesterday? Was that junk not crazy? I saw some videos on 220 from here to Greensboro. It looked like it snowed. Unbelievable. I was driving home from here yesterday about 4.30-ish, give or take, going down 49 towards Denton. And there for about a 10-minute stretch, it started popping the car. I felt like golf balls were just hitting my car. Boom, 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 boom. But did I pull over like everybody else? Nope. And I looked for dents on my hood. I didn't see any last night, so I am thankful this morning. That my car is okay. Then God sent the plague of locusts. The eighth plague was the plague, or the ninth plague was the plague of darkness. And then the last plague was the plague of the death of the firstborn. And this is what God says. This is what God says in Exodus chapter 11, starting in verse 4. So Moses said, This is what the Lord said to me About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave, who is at her handmill. And all the firstborn of the cattle as well, there will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there ever has been or ever will be again. So God said, this is it. This is the grand finale of the, of the plagues. All the firstborn in the family will die. By a show of hands, if you're the firstborn in your family today, raise your hand. That's us, y'all. TJ, that's you too, bro. Just a heads up. Just a heads up. The first nine plagues, the Israelites were separated. They were protected. They didn't bother the darkness, the frogs, amen, the gnats, the locusts, the hail, all that stuff. They didn't bother the Israelites those first nine. However, this tenth one, God put on everybody in Egypt. But God had a plan for his people. 
God had a plan for, his, uh, for the Jewish people, for the Israelites, for the Hebrews, and the plan was this. Exodus 12, verse 5 says this. I want you to choose an animal. The animal you choose must be a year old male without defect, and uh, you take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they will eat the lambs. God's plan is this. I want you, the Hebrew nation, my people, the ones that come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Israelites, I want you to take a lamb or a sheep, or a goat, and you pick it on the 10th day of the month. You keep it till the 14th day. On that 14th day at twilight, you are to slaughter that lamb and take some of the blood from that lamb and wipe it on the sides of the doorpost and above the doorpost. Why did God tell them this? Well, skip down to verse 12. Exodus 12, 12 says this. On that same night, God says, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both animal and animal, people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all of the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood on the doorframe will be a sign for you. Where am I at? The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Verse 14, this is a day that you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord and a lasting ordinance. That is why Jesus was going to Jerusalem that last week of his life. He was going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate this event in Exodus 12 when God sent the 10th plague on everybody. And he said, but I got a plan. The plan is this. You get some blood, put the blood on your door frames. When, the, 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 when I pass through Egypt, the door frame, the blood on the door frame, I will see it. I will pass over you, which is where we get the name Passover. Thank you. Once we pass over you, no destruction will touch you. No death will touch you. Nothing will happen to you because of the blood on your door frame. In the Gospels, we read that Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, riding on the donkey, sitting sideways on the donkey, people shouting Hosanna. They were going to celebrate this very event here in the book of Exodus. I believe today there are two things that we can learn from this Exodus Passover, and we can see it very clearly in the New Testament um, uh, Easter story and resurrection story. Number one is this. The Passover was a time of new beginnings for the Israelites. It was a time of new beginnings. Moses says this in Exodus 12 verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month the first month of your new year. So God told Moses and Aaron, today, this month, we're starting over. We're starting fresh. We're starting brand new. Everything that's happened before, we're leaving behind. We're starting brand new. And it's going to start 
with the blood of the lamb. It's going to start with the blood being on the doorpost, being on the door frames. It's going to start with the death passing over you. It's going to start with you getting out of Egypt, with you being free in the Red Sea and all that stuff. We are starting fresh. We are starting new. Why do you think that God told Moses and Aaron, we're starting over? We got this month is the new month, is the new year. Can I tell you why I believe God wants, wanted to start over? Can I tell you? Somebody say yes so I can get some encouragement here. Thank you. Thank you all very much. The Israelites had been living in Egypt. You know how many different gods they had in Egypt? I was hoping somebody would know because I don't know. A bunch. A bunch. They had been living among these gods for years and years and years since the time of Joseph. God said, all that stuff... We're done with. You're starting over with me. You're starting fresh with me. And how are we going to start this deal? I'm going to show you how powerful I am by passing over your house and going to an Egyptian house. But I'm passing over your house because of the blood on your doorframe. We're starting fresh. I am going to be in the center of everything that you do. I am going to be the first thing that you think of the first of every single year. I am in charge. I am running this show. I am the center focus. I am the central piece of everything that's going to happen from here on out because we're starting fresh and we're starting fresh with me. God basically changed their calendar. God basically changed their timetable. God basically changed their timing system all because of the blood of the lamb and the Passover. Now, fast forward to Easter in the New Testament and to today. How is our calendar divided today? B.C. and what? B.C. A.D. Our calendar today is divided and set up by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God said in Exodus, we're starting fresh. Today's a new day. May we know this morning that the Easter season, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is God himself calling you and I to start fresh, to start new, to make God the central figure of all that we do, to remember that God is the central figure of all that we do. We have this kind of wave coming through our country, and I believe going through the whole world today, where people, teachers, politicians, parents try really hard to take God out of the history of our world. Let me just tell you clearly this morning there is nothing that you or I could do today to remove God from the history of this place why can he not be removed because he is the history of this place he is the one that set the timetables in motion he is the one that can change the timetables when he wants to there is nothing that can be done in your life today to remove God from the history of our world and of our planet it doesn't matter what people say doesn't matter what laws are passed doesn't matter what anybody wants to do the truth is is that God God is in control. He is sovereign over us today, and he has been since the beginning of time, and he is the only one that can change time, that can start time, that can end time. It's only 
through the power of God today. So what does that mean for me and you? I think it means two things. We see here that God telling Moses, you tell the people, slaughter the lamb, put the blood on the door frames, and then you will remember this time, the first day of every year, you will remember this time as the time that I saved your life. Thousands of years later, we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem celebrating this event. For every year, those thousands of years, the Israelites, the Jewish people, celebrated that event. The 40 years they were in the desert after this, guess what they did the first day of the first month of the first year every year? They celebrated the Passover. Can you imagine being those guys in the wilderness for 40 years? Say you're year six, the first day of the first month. We're celebrating the Passover. They have a big feast. Then you get to like year 14. You're like, we're celebrating the Passover. We're still in the woods. And then you get to like year 29. You're like, we're celebrating the Passover. We passed this tree three years ago. And you get to like year 37, you're like, we're celebrating the Passover. This is the day that we remember and celebrate when God passed over our houses and passed over our family's house and saved us from death. This is wonderful. We celebrate it and we even see it in the gospel. And even today in Jerusalem in 2021, there are Jewish people who still celebrate this event that God did in the book of Exodus. So I believe God, we can learn two things from this. Number one. God wants us, wants you and me to remember what he has done for us. Can I tell you one of my wife's downfalls? This isn't bad. I mean, it's not great, but terrible. She's a little on the forgetful side. Would you agree? Thank you. Would you agree? Thank you. Callie doesn't have the best memory in the world. Sometimes she blames it on being a teacher. I don't know what that's got to do with memory, but that's what she says. She says these words. She says, my teacher brain's not working. Whatever. On the flip side, my memory is like a steel trap. Like you tell me something, it's locked in for a couple decades. Now, I may not remember your name the first time you tell me, but the second time, I will remember. Because I have no problem asking you what your name is the second time. And if I did have a problem, here's what I would say. I would say, like, hey, I'm going to write your name down. How do you spell your name? And then he would say, um, K-E-N. And then I would say this, oh, I didn't know if maybe you had an eye in there somewhere or something. Right? I would make up something just so I don't look completely dumb. But I have a memory on me, boy, like I can remember everything. I just took a snapshot of you. Next Sunday, I can tell you where you were sitting this Sunday if you ask me. I got it. Like it's trapped. I got a memory on me. However, there are times in my life where I find myself in a valley in a struggle, going through pain, going through a tough time, going through a certain situation, and I think to myself, why would God let me go through this? Or why has God not helped me out in this situation? And I am quickly reminded, I am quickly reminded, Michael, do not forget, 
I have been with you in these past situations. And immediately my mind is kicked back. I remember when God blessed me before. I remember when God healed me before. I remember when God saved me before. I remember when God forgave me before. I remember when God showed grace before. I remember when God showed mercy before. I believe God wants us to simply look back over his resume, look back over all that he has done for us in the past so that that can give us confidence and hope today so that when we are going through a a valley or a struggle, we have confidence and assurance, not just in what we're going through today, but because we look back and seen what God has done for us in the past and we remember all that he has done for us before about seven or eight years ago I was sitting in my office with a young lady named Nicole and her uncle Lee Nicole was uh, she was going to a Bible college in Tennessee she wanted to be a worship leader Um, she was a believer she loved the Lord more than anything a really good young lady a really good girl Um, however once she got to college she met some people How many bad stories begin, I met this guy, or I met this girl, and then it's all downhill from there. Um, Or how many bad stories start out, I was in Myrtle Beach, and it's all downhill from there. (laughs) Maybe those are just my stories, I don't know. Anyway, so I was talking to Nicole. Nicole and her uncle reached out to me and said, Nicole wants to talk to you. So I set up a time, Nicole come by the office. I said, what's happening? She said, I got some problems. I said, what's your problem? She said, I love the Lord. I said, that's not a problem. That's a good thing. She said, but over the past couple of months, people have been questioning my love for God. I said, okay, what's the problem? I said, that's going to happen all the time. I said, what's the problem? She said, I'm starting to question my love for God. And I'm also starting to question God's love for me. Now, this was a young lady who grew up in the church. She grew up in a youth group. She went to church on Sundays. She was there every week. She led worship at her church. She was in a, uh, currently enrolled at a Bible college to be a worship leader. She wanted to teach and lead worship in a church setting. And here she is at 18, 19, 20 years old. All of a sudden, she was having doubts and questions and thoughts about the Lord. And I simply told her this. I said, how long have you known the Lord? She's like seven, eight years. I said, how many times in those seven, eight years have you been by yourself reading the word of the God and you felt God's presence in your room? She said, a bunch. I said, how many times in those seven and eight years have you messed up? Have you turned away? Have you sinned and you prayed for forgiveness and you felt God release you from that sin? She said, a lot. I said, how many times in those seven and eight years have you had worries and fear and anxiety and stress and God met a need in your life and took away that worry and those fear? She said, too many to count. I said, can I encourage you during this season of doubt and this season of questions to simply look back and to remember all that God has done for you? I believe during this Easter season, God is calling you and I to simply remember who he is. Remember what he has done for you. Remember, think back to all the times in your life when God 
has blessed you, when God has provided for you, when God has healed you, when God took care of you, when God saved you, when God forgave you, simply think back during this Easter season to who God is and what God wants and what God has done for you. The second thing we can learn from a new beginning in God starting fresh is for us it means God is calling us to be different. God is calling us to be new. God is calling us to be transformed. The word says that if you are in Christ, those that are in Christ are new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I believe there's no better time in our in our year, in your life, to be a new creation, to accept God's new life for you and I, other than the Easter season. The Easter season is a time for us to be changed. The Easter season is a time for us to look back and we say these words. Remember when I used to go here? Remember when I used to say those words? Remember how I used to talk to mom and dad back then? Remember when it was hard for me to love people? Remember when I used to say these things? I hope for you today, you can look back in your past life and you can say, that was me then. That was me before Christ. But because of God's great love for me, that's not me now. I am a new person. I have been changed. I have been set free. I am victorious. I have been made whole. I am a, given a second chance, a third chance, an 815th chance, the 9,623rd chance, all because of what God did for me on Easter. Because of God's great love for you and me, we don't have to live the same life we did before Christ. The same way God changed their calendar, the same way God changed our calendar from BC to AD, God wants to do that for you in your life. God wants to take you where you're at right now, and He wants to work in your life and work in your heart and take you to where you want to be and where you need to be and where He wants you to be so that maybe five years from now you can look back and say remember five years ago Palm Sunday 2021 gosh I used to believe this but now because of God I believe that that only happens with the Lord's help that's nothing that you and I can do on our own that's nothing that me and you can work hard at and accomplish on our own that's only with God's help can we start fresh. It's only with God's help can we let go of the past. It's only with God's help can we turn away from those same things that used to tear us down, and now God has built us back up. The Passover, Easter, is a time for us to remember and a time for us to be transformed. It's a time for God to change our life. Point number two and the last point this morning the second thing we can learn from the Passover is, is this. There had to be the perfect sacrifice. There had to be the perfect substitute. Remember the um, instructions God gave Moses? said, on the 10th day of the month, find a sheep. Keep it until the 14th day of the month and then slaughter it. But it can't be any regular old sheep. It's got to be a one-year-old male without defect, without blemish. It's got to be that specific sheep. It's got to be done on the 10th day. 
It's got to be kept to the 14th day. It's got to be slaughtered. The blood's got to be taken and put on the door frames and the doorpost at the door. Why do you think God would be that detailed in his instructions? Why do you think God would say, listen, you got this list, 10th day, 14th day, without blemish, one-year-old, male, slaughtered at twilight, blood on the top, blood on the side, has to be done just like this. I think there's two reasons for it we're going to talk about real quickly. Number one, number one, is that it had to be a perfect sacrifice. For God to pass over their house that night in Egypt, it couldn't be a pretty good sacrifice. It couldn't even be a really good sacrifice. It had to be the perfect sacrifice. Why did it have to be the perfect sacrifice? It had to be the perfect sacrifice because death had to come from somewhere. Blood had to be shed from somewhere. It had to be shed somewhere on that night. And God said, you take that perfect lamb and follow these instructions. Put the blood on the doorframe and I will pass over your house. Fast forward to Easter. Fast forward to the New Testament. We see Jesus Christ the perfect son of God, sacrificed for you and for I. Why did it have to be Jesus to die that death? Because we needed the perfect sacrifice. You needed Jesus to die that death. Why did you need Jesus to die that death? Because that was your death and mine. You realize today that should have been us, right? That should have been us with the beating and the nails and the crown and the cross. That was us. That should have been you and me because we are the ones that deserve that because we are born as sinners into a sinful world. That should have been you and I, but it wasn't because it was the perfect sacrifice. It was the perfect substitute. God took us off the cross and put on his son, Jesus, to take my place and your place. The good news of Easter, my friends, is that God gave Jesus all the blame for everything that we did wrong. And he gives you and me all the credit for everything that Jesus did right. Jesus was your sacrifice. Jesus was your substitute. He was the perfect, sinless son of God that got what should have been ours. Number two, why did it have to be the perfect, sinless sacrifice? I believe God gave all those instructions because God is serious about your salvation. God is serious about passing over the Israelites' house that night. He was so serious about it, he gave them exactly what he needed for it to happen. I believe today in 2021, one of the greatest pitfalls we can fall into is not taking Jesus serious. I hope you know today there's nothing more important to God than your salvation. 
nothing more important to God than your salvation. There's this wonderful story in Mark chapter 2, one of my favorites in the whole New Testament. The story is this. There was a paralyzed guy who wanted to get to Jesus. He couldn't get to him because Jesus was in a house, and there's a bunch of people in the house, and there's no room to carry the guy in. So what his buddies do? They dug a hole in the roof. They lowered him straight down in front of Jesus. He wanted to get to Jesus so he could be healed, so his legs would work, so he could walk out the front door. Do you remember the first thing Jesus said to him? Jesus said, my son, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. He was looking for healing for his legs. God's first priority for you and me is our salvation of our soul. Please, today, take Jesus serious. We're not here messing around. We're not here playing church. We want to have fun. We want to have a good time while we're here. We want to clap and dance and shout and whatever. But please, during this Easter season of all times, take the Lord serious. Your relationship with the Lord is not something to be played with. It's not something to be half in, half out. It's not something to be playing around with, to be dangling in front of somebody like a carrot. No, it's serious business. We're talking life and death. We're talking heaven and hell. We're talking salvation and damnation. We're talking about Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection for you. Can we take Easter serious? Can we take Jesus serious and not be messing around with it? God didn't mess around when it comes to your salvation. He made the ultimate perfect sacrifice by his son, Jesus. Can we take it serious this year and be real in our worship and be real with our relationship with the Lord? No more playing games, no more messing around, no more tiddly winks with the Lord, whatever that is, I don't know. But can we be real and be serious in our relationship with God and allow God to come into our lives and allow God to change your life and allow your soul to be cleansed and allow your spirit to come alive all because of the life, death, and resurrection of the perfect sacrifice in Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Let's stand together. Come on up, band. As they come, let's, let's pray. God, we thank you again for today. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this story that we read here in Exodus, and we thank you for the Passover story. God, I pray today that during this next week, during this Easter season, this Easter week. God, I pray that you would help us to remember who you are. I pray that you would help us to remember what you have done for us. God, I pray that you will change our life. God, I pray, I pray that we will take this life we will take your life as serious business because we're not just talking about what we see here. 
No, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about life and death. If you're here this morning, I just want to be able to pray for you real quickly. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you're here this morning, say there are times in your life maybe it's right now where you need to remember God where you need to think back and look back to all that he's done for you before and you just want to be prayed for today if that's you you just raise your hand anybody at all I see you I see all of you maybe you're here this morning and you would say listen I've been playing around with my relationship with Jesus. I haven't been serious about it. Maybe God has been speaking to you during this Easter season. God is calling you to reconciliation. God is calling you back to Him. God is calling your heart, leading your heart back to Him. And this time, you want to take it serious. You want to be real with the Lord. You're not playing around. You're not half in, half out. No, I am committing my life to the Lord. I am serious about this relationship with Jesus. If that's you, can you just raise your hand real quickly? Anybody at all? I see you all again. Lord, you saw the hands. You know their hearts. You know their life. God, you know what it is that gets in their way. You know what it is that gets their attention off of you. You know what it is that turns their heart from you. God, I pray today for myself and for all of us that this season that we are in will be a time of renewal, will be a time of a fresh spirit, will be a time of a fresh and new and real and serious dedication of our hearts to yours. God, I pray over the next few days and over the next week in our life that you would continue to make yourself real, you would continue to make yourself known in our lives. And God, I pray that we will remember who you are, that you're God, that you're sovereign, that you're holy, that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we will remember what you have done for us by sacrificing your only Son so that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life.